0: Hello and welcome to episode 189 of the rather fabulous The Filmmaker's Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie films to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F it up in a very, very humble opinion. I'm Giles Alderson, I'm a writer, director and a producer... I'm Robbie McCain, director, producer. And welcome to this week's episode of the Filmmakers Podcast. And we have an absolute treat for you today, don't we, Robbie? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a, like a proper British indie film. It is absolutely good. Robbie's right. We are talking with the fantastic Lucy Bryden. She's a screenwriter and the director of her debut movie, Body of Water, which is out now in cinemas and on digital, do check it out. It's so brilliant. It really, really is a wonderful film. And we sit and have a chat with Lucy all about uh, making films with body issues. We also talk about making your first short film and how that can be overwhelming, dealing with fear and learning to bluff very well. We also talk about what development was
1: like for the film, working with Film London and BBC Films, what that whole process is like, feedback, you know, rewrites, industry suggestions. And doing all of that whilst remaining true to your own creative vision and original concept.
0: Absolutely. And we jump into talking about the funding, the whole process behind that, the hoops had to go through and the writing process from everything. She talks about a script mentor, about dealing with notes, rewriting, the reality of a screenplay in front of you and getting it right. And on top of all of that, we're going
1: to talk about casting, finding like the right actors who are going to be prepared to deal with some of the quite difficult issues raised in this film. So finding people with the physical
0: stamina, but also the psychological kind of determination to, to see it through. And how for female filmmakers, it is slightly different right now. Things are changing and in a good way. She also gives you some absolutely amazing advice for being a filmmaker. That is all to come on this week's The Filmmakers podcast. So super excited for you to hear this. So Giles the Dare... DVD sales, how are they doing?
1: <laughs> you got <laughs> well, the figures in front of
0: me? 3,900, <laughs> I have no idea. All I know is I'm getting some lovely, lovely comments from people oh, wonderful. on my Twitters, on my Facebook, in my message box. It's been so lovely. You worry so much about a film coming out. Um, it, it just, it's just panicky, but it's so nice. You know, that people are watching it and people are responding. And like I say, it's not for everyone. It's a gnarly horror film. So you got to be into that. But also, God, it's been really nice to get that sort of feedback. And yeah, it's great to walk into HMV or Xavi or supermarket of your choice and see it there on the shelf. It's, you know, all that hard work. And there it is.
1: Yeah, some of those messages on Twitter are really nice. And that must just it must just feel kind of yeah it's sort of like the whole
0: crawling process was worth it almost <laughs> In- nearly <laughs> you kind of you almost want to walk towards the, the dvd packet and it just sings at you or something i goes, congratulations <laughs> you, know, it's go, you you did this but yeah there's none of that that's it's when you know you empty, need to get more sleep empty box. When, you, when the dvd you starts to get-
1: singing to you yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, I imagine Dominic the the masked character on the front just popping his head out, 3D version and going, "Oh are you, come here." That would be great. And I've
1: seen um I've seen some rumblings of another film that you're you're involved with, Giles. I, I like I, I can't describe this anywhere other way. It's um post-apocalyptic pigs fighting in the
0: wilderness <laughs> and Danny Trejo's in it. What is going on? What oh, is this yeah. film? This is called Bullets of Justice, and uh, Julian Kostov is the producer of the Dare. Um, he was kind of involved in it. He knew the guys, and they were struggling to get um, any sales on it, any distribution, or any decent distribution. So we watched it and said, "This is hilarious and funny," and we brought it to the the Dare's distribution arm in America, and they loved it, um, the Horror Collective, and they're releasing it. It is out now in the usa and canada is batshit crazy it is danny trail it is people running around after the third world war and pigs have taken over and there's lots of guns and shit and splatter and it's hilarious and funny and all just what you'd expect from this kind of a movie check out the trailer it's called bullets of justice if you like that kind of movie very satirical stupid Mm. fun tongue-in-cheek to say the least yeah it's massively tongue-in-cheek <laughs> it looks absolutely uh, mental but it's been really nice to work on the other side of the filmmaking Spool, if you like the the, the actual nuts and bolts oh, of actually word. getting a film spool. distributing. Thank you. Well, it's film related, so yeah, it's. I find that really interesting that me and Julian now we sort of understand the sales a lot more than we did before. We understand what it needs to go through the packaging side, what you have to deliver uh, to get a movie like this out into the world. Especially now, we're talking to other territories, the UK, Germany, etc., etc., to push it out even further. It's been really interesting. It's been really fun. So yeah, there's that. Um, oh, and yes, the final week now of Murder Ballads the wonderful film from Mitchell's Holiday and the Gang uh, it finishes its crowdfunding on Thursday so head to green it link is in the show notes but oh my god they're so close i think it's 85% now so really help if you can even if it's a or whatever it is but this film is going to be brilliant they're so close to the 100% mark so do help if you can link to that is in the show notes it's called Murder Ballads right what oh. are we saying, Robbie? Well, we'd better get to uh, your chat with Lucy Bryden. We really had. And remember, if you do like this, then go onto iTunes and give us a lovely five-star review and rate this and tell all your friends it means the world to us to get it out there. Right, Lucy Bryden and myself, enjoy, you lovely filmmakers. Absolutely. Enjoy. Enjoy. I said it last. <laughs> <laughs> Show off.
1: You might remember Stephanie. She was last with us four or five years ago. Get me a copy of your reading plan. So good to see you. Mum, may you speak to her for me? You've got to try a bit. Why has it got to be my problem? Because you're her daughter. That's a precious thing. Seven months
2: I was there. I didn't think about coming to see me. You must be strong. I'm tired of being strong. I'd rather be the sick one because then at least I'd know where I am.
1: You know this is going nowhere but down. You're not fit to be a parent. Do you want to end up like her? No.
0: Well listen thank you so much for joining us on the filmmaker's podcast it's absolute delight we're, we're both in the middle of press at the moment which is really interesting how's it for you in the middle of body of the water press
2: yeah it's been uh, it's been quite intensive you know um but it's such a nice part of the process after having worked on something for a long time and i'm enjoying the ride anyway how about you
0: yeah i'm the same i'm enjoying the ride it's it's kind of weird because we shot the dare 4 years ago and i've had movies out in between yeah and to suddenly now be going, oh, we're talking about this now. Okay, great. And really, you know, like I said, I've been doing this podcast for th- three and a half years. So suddenly, and the whole time I've been talking about The Dare as one of my films, and now to have it out is surreal and mm. massively anticlimactic. And, you know, because it is a little bit anticlimactic when you have a movie out. I don't know how you yeah. feel. It's kind of, especially not being able to have a premiere at the moment.
2: Yeah, right. sort of first screening we had was um, it, it was at the Glasgow Film Festival. So that was where we first presented the film. So that was quite that was a nice kind of you know launch. But yeah, there was this period where we weren't really sure what was going to happen with this with this release, and um, so yeah, we weren't even sure if it was going to be in cinemas or if it was just going to be on demand. And I think from my friends, that have had things go straight to on demand only. Like it has been a bit like. Okay. So now I have a film out. That's just how it goes, I suppose. And, you know, I guess the, the advantage is that, you know, people are probably, get, you know, engaging with, with more content
0: at the moment anyway. So I think that's a huge thing. Like you say, more people are putting eyeballs on movies that are online at the moment. Yeah. So yeah, I know it did because it came out in March. Um, and so they, they did much better than people were, were expecting. And we're doing really well and the, everyone's happy. And you kind of go, oh, so there is massive positives from it. I think for me, it's that whole thing of bringing all your cast and crew back together, right? To, to celebrate together, even though it can be so nerve wracking for us, right?
2: Yeah, completely. And like, yeah, I think a lot of people involved in Body of Water were quite, um, you know, com- invested because it was, you know, it's a tough subject. So like, I mean, a lot of them had some sort of connection or knew someone that had had like some sort of eating issue or like had it was something that was close to a lot of the people working on it. And so, yeah, to them present it um, to them, it's obviously you're like, it's a bit nail biting because you're, you, you know, uh, crew work on film really work really hard and then they just kind of let it go. And then they don't, you know, the films obviously shift massively after the shoot from script, from script to the edit. And then. So yeah, that you—they don't know what they're coming back to. But um, I did have a really nice conversation with the um, sound recordist uh, Aris, who was at, who came to Glasgow for the prep for the opener and. Um, he was so happy with the finished film and he was so complimentary and it was like it was just really nice because he's not a gushy person by any stretch of the imagination so you know it's like it it really meant a lot coming from Aris that he was so so (laughs) impressed with the film I was like okay I've never seen you so like upbeat in the entire like time we worked together (laughs) on the film
0: isn't that amazing though that that you can get that feedback and especially with a film like Body of Water which is incredible and important and I think that's really really what this is about we're trying to make films that mean something and as much as you know i've made horror films and action history you know i've tried to make it have meaning in there you know with bullying and with um what we should and shouldn't do as people and even a bit of veganism in there but with body of water you've really you know hit on a subject that is massively important and you know eating disorders and you've done it in such a subtle clever way that isn't in your face and isn't uh, you know, oh, we shouldn't be like this or we should judge in this way. It's just real people trying to deal with these issues. And it, it's honestly, it's a beautiful film. It's beautifully made. And I can't believe it's your debut. I, I mean, it's, you know, technically it's your debut, right? It was sort of, it was done through the Film London uh, microwave programme and
2: it was, that's always for debut filmmakers. So um, yeah, it was, it's it's tough material, but I think... Um, They were really supportive in terms of just like, you know, taking risks with it. Um, In terms of the shooting style, as you said, you know, it was a conscious choice all along not to kind of do, you know, really handheld or really in Stephanie's face or anything like that. It was always about um, being kind of giving her space and letting her character, you know, her character unfold rather than kind of, you know, doing anything to kind of necessarily I guess it's a it's a it's a conversation about kind of glamorizing or fetishizing that kind of physicality, which can be a, you know, can be troublesome in and of itself. You know, obviously, young girls watch like films about eating disorders. And I know at impressionable ages, they will get really fixated on these films, like to the bone. I know a lot of girls watched over and over again because the Lily Collins character and that is so pretty and you know, it's that delicate flower thing and um, they find it kind of inspirational. So, yeah, I, obviously I didn't, you know, that's not what this film is about. So, yeah, it was, um, but we, you know, we worked really hard to kind of make it this sort of respectful um, visual language for her. It being a conscious choice that I developed with the cinematographer that, you know, frames her in a, in a respectful way and keeps her, at a distance and doesn't glamorize or fetishize her you know, her physicality because it's it can be quite dangerous and that's obviously not the point of the film to like you know, say, oh doesn't this look great and beautiful because obviously that's completely not the point of the film. I think that's one thing that's successful about it is that we managed to keep it quite detached but I think <laughs> sometimes that makes like some of the scenes like for example with eating and things like i know that makes it quite uncomfortable because they're really long Mm -hmm. still takes of these like of these actions but i think it's quite effective i hope it's. i think it's (laughs) massively
0: effective and it's such a great choice to do that you could have gone so many different ways and i loved what you did i loved that you held the camera like that i thought it was beautiful it makes makes us think we don't have to think by the camera or editing choices of snappy stuff and close ups of food and all this kind of stuff. And you could have done that. And I thought it was just marvelous to just sit and for us to think about this and us to go oh my god okay this works so much better it's more powerful uh, thank you. yeah very well done so i'm going to dive in more about body of water i'd like to jump back a little bit to find out how you actually got to that position it's your debut movie had you always liked films you know was there a film that inspired you as a kid to want to become a filmmaker
2: i mean you know i grew up in the like late 80s early 90s and um you know we had all our vhs library at home and um actually i grew up on a diet of pretty much like police academy movies but then i think in my late teens i got really interested in kind of sort of more art house films and
0: I tell you Ro- robocop style and yeah police academy and all yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of movies yeah yeah fatal <laughs> attraction they're just brilliant brilliant movies the classics yeah. yeah classics yeah
2: um and the thing about those films now I, you know and i i think in terms of like you know, young people's viewing experiences because they're just so saturated with content now. But those films when I was a teenager and stuff, like they really like stayed with me because obviously there was just less stuff and you would watch things over and over again that you liked. I went to university, I did a creative writing degree and I I did some film studies there and I got really into it. Um, Mm -hmm. And and that, yeah, that again was like sparked more of an interest. But then after that, I moved to China when I was 21 and I, um, I sort of did a few things here and there and tef- taught English as a foreign language, which I wasn't very good at. I started working like uh, in uh, film production and then I, you know, the one of the, my employers realised that I could write because obviously I'd done this creative writing degree and then I started doing scripts for them. But at the same time, I was also doing like getting more active in this little film community in Shanghai and I started to sort of direct little shorts.
0: Why did you want to do that in the first place? What was it when you were obviously after uni and you'd gone? to shanghai and you're there you know sort of thinking okay well i'm teaching english but i want to create stuff and you start. how did you get involved in that what was it in you that went i've got to do something else i want to create i want to make stuff
2: i mean i guess i always knew that i was fundamentally not someone that just wanted to sit and interpret other people's things or write about other people's work like i knew i probably wasn't a journalist type thing you know that's fine um but i i you know i just i'm a very creative person i can't like it I, did, I just find it like therapy really to make things, write things, whatever. Usually it was writing. And then um, I just realized through writing and having other people direct stuff I'd written that I would really like like to I really like to think about all the other elements involved in making films obviously like costume music all that kind of stuff like it's super fun and cool Um, and you get to work with all these great people um, and they bring all their skills so it's like it's really great you know when you have a great team around you so I think you've got to be a bit addicted to it to kind of (laughs) pursue Mm -hmm. it for so long because often it doesn't give you that much back for a while or people ask you to do things for free all the time and all that kind of thing so You know you've got to be quite dogmatic and
0: i totally agree it has to be an obsession
2: as long as you know there's something in yourself that is you know different or you offer something that you know is special and i think everyone who does this kind of has to think that about themselves because otherwise you know it would just be a massive
0: exercise in masochism it's a funny business it really is so you now, you you know you want to create and uh, did you just go knocking on doors as well to get those jobs to make shorts and start in that world
2: it was such a small community in Shanghai that I just um sort of got to know people and then I got um like asked to write things and you know, and I was only like twenty three, twenty-four. But then um uh, around that age I decided to leave and I uh went to Berlin for a bit and then I went to film school in New York. I went to Columbia um, yeah. Um, but I, I only stayed for a year because it was like really like, it was too much, like costs were crazy and I had had some funding support and things, but it wasn't really enough. And it was just like, I don't know, film school's weird. it It's, I, you know, as pros and cons as with anything. It's good for the network. And obviously it's a really well-regarded program that one, but it's just like, there's a lot of really wealthy kids whose parents are just like, you know, writing them blank checks to make their, little shorts and like I just wasn't like that so it was like okay um and I'm I am a believer that you know if you have constraints especially in terms of budget whatever that can actually you know open up a whole different creative way of thinking and sometimes that's a really cool thing but um you know it is a challenge um but so i stayed for a year at film school and then i moved back to uk and i was just making yeah i made some shorts and they got bigger and more mm-hmm. elaborate and like you know i think you sort of i sort of started to tap into this the themes that I have actually i keep coming back to and it's usually stuff about you know the body and female um sort of sexuality and identity and things like that so i think there's quite a lot of that in body of water it's not obviously all explicit but um
0: that's fascinating what was it can you remember your first short can you remember directing your first short and how that felt because obviously you're directing actors for the first time you're casting them you're bringing them in what, what went through your mind had you planned it to an inch of its life with shot lists and <laughs>
2: um i remember i actually acted in my first sort of fairly elaborate fairly elaborate short and this was a shot in shanghai and it was all set in one cafe but there was it was quite a lot going on i was so nervous i think that was the thing that because i you know as a person that approaches things usually initially my instinct is writing and that's in a very controlled environment and i can you know do it when i want and i you know i can um you know it's it's just and then just but then to go into um, you know being basically you know in charge of all these people and everyone's asking you questions all the time like that was a real that really messed with my head actually I was really like you know it's, it's really overwhelming um so it, I, I do still find um the actual shooting process quite stressful some people really thrive on it but i find it quite stressful i love writing and i love editing um but like actual shooting stuff i do i mean i love it i love it as well but it's just so intense that um
0: Can you describe for our listeners what, how, what that intensity is like? Because I've tried. It's difficult (laughs) because it is intense. Everything's on your shoulders. Everything's with your vision and everyone is literally going red or blue. What Mm -hmm, do you want? mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you talk through that? And how did you deal with it? Even though you found it difficult?
2: i think you know it's like anything you just sort of have to rise to the occasion and i think i was a little bit of a rabbit in the headlights the first time because obviously you know you're basically when you're directing something you're the person that everyone wants the opinion of and you've got to make decisions really fast and it's really in your face and um, you don't have a lot of time to like consider stuff, so it's got to be quite instinctual a lot of the time. And um, yeah, it, it, like it's 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 you never have enough time. You never have um, you know the quite everything completely perfect. But it's like you know the The process of all these people coming together and try, everyone's always trying their best. That's the thing I love about films. Like usually, you know, on a set, everyone's like, it's like a fight. You know, it's like a war because everyone's like got that sort of same mentality. Like we will get this done, but you're like the leader, and so if you don't know what you want or you're you stumble, like it, it kind of throws people off. So you've just got to kind of. There is an element, I think, of bluffing. <laughs> Of <laughs> um, learning how to bluff yep. well that I definitely yeah, yeah. learned from my feature because I was, sometimes you're just like, I don't I don't fucking know, but I'm gonna just have to give you a really good answer and really believe in it myself and then hopefully that will work. And it usually does, but it's like <laughs>
0: totally. So I when people ask me questions like that, I make a decision on the spot, whether it's right or wrong, if they say red or blue, whatever it is, this location, that location, I go, that location. I make the decision, pr- proud, bold, that one yeah. in my instincts. And it's okay to then change my mind later. I think the worst thing you can do is dither yes. and go, oh, I'm not sure, what do you think? Because that doesn't give them any confidence. So I, this is why I do it now, I go, that one. And then I think about it. I go, do you, know, do you know what, I've changed my mind. And that's cool, people accept that. But yeah, it's so hard when you, that first moment of realizing you're the leader, you have to literally put your metaphysical arm around everyone and make them feel okay. And you're like, "What about me?" I know, I know. <laughs> but fuck you. I you're know. directing it, so I you know. can't get on with it. I know. You wrote it. Deal with it. Because <laughs> on shorts you can drive through it and get through a short. Because it's often two, three days if you're lucky. It might be one day. So you just sort of pile through it and everyone works together. On a feature, it's a different beast. It's a long. Time when you're knackered and you've got to constantly be, you know, preparing that boat to sail, you know, all the time. How was your mindset during that? How did you cope with that sleeping, preparing, all that kind of stuff?
2: It takes over your life for weeks, and that's fine. Um, there's a lot happens in a day because you, you know, it's such long, intense days and. And I think back to it, it's like, God, you do, you do so much in one day, but it's just perfect. That's just how it rolls. But it doesn't give you much time to kind of absorb and like, you know, de- you know deal or decompress information. So you're just kind of t- taking it all with you. So then by the end, it's like, yeah, everyone's just like, I mean, I remember vividly after shoot, the shoot of Body of Water, I went home and I lay in a bath and my legs were so sore because obviously standing around all the time. Mm-hmm. And um you know, you're running around. And um, I just remember sitting in the bath with like a glass of red wine. And I was like, just, it was like, it was like I was like in a padded cell or something. It was (laughs) just like staring into space, like with my brain completely ransacked of of any kind of articulate thought or anything. I was so spent. And it took me like a good week to physically feel like, because it's so draining. And it's like, I know that's probably... Maybe it's because also it's an indie movie and it's a bit more hardcore in terms of like, you know, there's it's not super plush. Like, you know, I think that's the thing that I wasn't quite prepared for how incredibly exhausted I would be at the end of it. But, um, you know, that said, we had three, we, were, we shot over three weeks and we did manage to, we split it into... I think we did like five days on and then two days off and having two two days off was really good because sometimes they just give you one day off between shoot ditch, shooting weeks and it's it, like it's
0: not enough it's not enough you need two you need days a
2: day to just like you know chill and then you have to like you, you know and as a d- director or whatever or any of the heads of department like you don't really get a break you, you're always like working on these days off
0: but at least you know it's a bit more relatively chilled. When I was acting back in the... I didn't realise how much crews put in, the effort no. and the time. As soon as you do the other side, you go... Oh, yeah. you don't get a break you, no one comes over with a towel no one comes over to make you feel cozy and go hey do you want to drink okay they do but i mean it's it's a definitely a different feel and when you direct you don't get a second to stop because as soon as you finish that scene the actor goes okay cool give me a minute let me prepare you this scene." you have to go straight into that next scene you have to know where the camera's going to go you have to set it up think about all that stuff so your brain doesn't actually stop so it makes total sense when we finish the shoot that we just collapse we are giddy with we actually can't form sentences we can't do anything and hopefully our family are okay with that but if you've got kids or whatever then you know the person at home with the kids suddenly just goes no no you've been away for four weeks or whatever yeah, how yeah, long yeah, yeah. here are the kids deal with that and you go, going there <laughs> so body of water it's about a woman with an eating disorder and she tries to balance her relationship with her mother and her teenage daughter. Trailer's amazing, honestly, go see this film, it's so cool, it's so, so cool. So let's jump into how Body of Water came about. Cause like I say, you'd made some shorts, you'd done that work. How did you even get the BBC involved? How did it get that far so you could, you know, make the feature film that you had written? Had you, did you, where did the idea come from, I suppose, in that sense? And then how did you develop that into, to actually getting people to fund you?
2: I had sort of really been really interested in writing about uh, a character that had um, anorexia just because like I had had various, you know, f- food issues as uh mostly actually in my twenties. Um, I developed anorexia and I like, you know, it, it wasn't to the extent that the character does, but it was something that really like overshadowed a lot of my, of that kind of decade of my life. I'm 36 now. Um, so it was something that I was like, okay, this is like, um, a really intense thing that I've been through but I obviously I didn't want to write about it in my own experience particularly so it was like um, but so that was a sort of starting point and then I wrote a short that um you know got some interest and funding, and we went to present it in uh Clermont from uh, market and so Great. it did start life as a short, so we were all set to kind of make the short, but then because you know i I just you know I always love to write, and I just sort of as an exercise written a screenplay really for myself um and had actually developed it through this lab in edinburgh uh, in the edinburgh film festival called uh, network. Oh, yeah. network yeah yeah, yeah. it had, had a bit of mentoring and then um me and the producer decided you know um we'll put it into the film london applications for um their feature program microwave and you know if it doesn't if it gets in great and if it doesn't then we, we can go and make the short version and it's all good so um yeah, we got in. And then um, hmm,
1: congrats.
2: how it works with that is it's like the select 12 projects initially, they give you a, a sort of boot camp training week, which was really great. Like we met some really great mentors. Like we had Lynn Ramsey and Jim Wilson, who pre- worked with Jonathan Claeser a lot and like some really high caliber people. And they were really inspiring. And actually Lynn... Um, she, she you know I love Lynn and she just point but she just sort of pointed me at some really interesting references like safe by Todd Haynes which ended mm. up being quite a quite a really useful reference for later on and I hadn't seen that film um but that definitely you know inspired like a lot of like the thinking I went like some of the thinking processes I went through in sort of imagining the film. Um, so we did that. And then um, after that, you kind of had to present the film again to this panel of execs and um, people who were fun, who were you know, involved in funding. So it was BBC BFI and again, film London. And then they whittled the projects down to six projects and then they developed them for a bit longer. And then you had to basically, go back um, and you know present the script and re-pitch it again and yeah we got commissioned uh, along with another film called Looted which is actually just coming out uh, about a month after Body of Water um, so it, yeah and then after that we were we had we developed you know I was we I worked on the script a lot with Angeline McFarlane who's the script editor she's also one of the uh, she was one of the execs at Film London I think she's moved on now but um and then yeah it was quite a it was quite a lot of um you know there was a lot of work on the script and you know as a first time feature maker it's scary and there's a lot of like you know you don't know what you're doing or you feel like you don't know what you're doing and then you get notes and, and and like sometimes that can be quite um you know digesting those and implementing them and and finding what's useful in them can be quite a process in and of itself I think now I'm a lot more like. I definitely will go into my next projects like oh yeah okay i know what i want out of this but when i had not done a feature obviously i kind of over listened to a lot of the criticisms or the feedback and so it's like you can't like write a script to please people or by committee so um there were drafts though that definitely went through a bit more of a people pleasy kind of
0: Thread. <laughs> well, it's easy to do, isn't it? it? Is when people are coming do. with ideas, and then you go, "Oh gosh, yes, yes," because they've made films and you trust in them, and then you go down a route and you go, "Well, oh shit, how do I pull it back?" It's really difficult to balance that period when you're sort of development of a script—what works, what doesn't—you mm-hmm. don't know, and you don't mm-hmm. know. You kind of think it works. It's really—I I find that really difficult too—and choosing whose opinion. To choose, uh, I, but when you're in a situation where it's you know you're there with a funding body and they're saying do this, well, of course you're going to do it, but actually it might not go down the right route for what you want, and that that can take a lot of time. H- how do you find rewriting then? Because it can be very difficult to dive back into something and pull it apart.
2: I'm really open to ideas and rewriting, but I did get quite exhausted with that side of the process as well because it was like I felt like. Sometimes in late development, I felt like I was just changing things for the sake of it. And then um, I would get frustrated because I would go back to earlier ideas that had been And, and, you know, sometimes I think you have to work. There's, you know, what often happens is you you have this script and then you go to all the different places you could possibly go. And often you end up quite back to quite like quite similarly what you started with because it just is as though your imagination has to go on that kind of journey or, or other people have to go on that journey with you to make sure that you've exhausted all the possible things. But then, you know, often your first, often your early instincts are kind of right. And, um, and I always knew about this story that like, it was about a woman who just, um, you know, she was sort of, um, giving up and, that to me was like actually a really important experience. and um, But I know that there was a bit of um, sort of hesitance around some of the, well, one, the presentation of anorexia at all, because that's it was a really challenging thing to sort of mm-hmm. sell. Um, yes.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
2: and also like, because we all were fully aware all the way along, like what that would involve an actor having to do, um, and, uh, yeah, the ethics of that as well. And I ha- had to often like kind of, you know, explain how we would like look after this person or, you know, how we would present the subject. Yeah. There was all this stuff going into it at, at the same time as trying to just write a good story. So it's like, um, yeah, there were times when it was like, oh my
0: goodness. Was the times when you thought, oh, I'm going down such a wrong path here or it's, this might not get made. And you'd spent a long time doing it at this point.
2: I never let myself think that it wouldn't get made because I think that would have broken me because I had invested so much into it. Now, having made a film, on the other side of it, I'm, like, constantly amazed that anyone actually manages to do it because I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yep. it's nuts, it's nuts, and nobody, like, you're like, you know, if you don't have any experience in the film industry, you're like, oh, yeah, it's so easy, just get some money and then people show up and, you know, and it's all Point the lovely. camera that way and yeah, that
0: way and the yeah, actors yeah, do the yeah, whole yeah. thing in one oh, Oh my yeah, God!
2: <laughs> I know but it's like the reality is there's so much that can go wrong and there's you know there's so many shoots that like do get pulled or like especially this year obviously like
1: mm.
2: I've been thinking you know if we've been trying to shoot that this year it wouldn't it would have been completely messed up because we couldn't have um, adhered to any of the kind of restrictions or the any of the social distance it would have just been a complete disaster and like imagine investing years of your life developing a project and you basically have one shot at doing it because it's not a hollywood mega mega bucks blockbuster. so and then that's it you know because of this like because of the world, you, you know, it was it's a terrifying thought, but that's the reality for a lot of people. And um, yeah, we were just fortunate that we got it in um, when you know we we shot it when we did. But um you know, there were a lot of times that it, it looked like dicey, and there was you know the stuff with financing that that was you know had to be resolved really late in the day, down to the wire. And I wasn't you know sleep I wasn't sleeping about that, and then I wasn't mm-hmm. sleeping about various other things. So it's like yeah, just. For for a really you know for a small independent film it's uh, it's a, it's a big investment of your life um to making it happen and so i couldn't yeah i think it's just like i just had to have that mindset that this will happen So any deviation from this happening is not... I'm just not even going to compute that because I can't allow myself to go there mentally because otherwise I would probably just give
0: up. (laughs) And I think a lot of filmmakers, directors, screenwriters do do that. They get to a point where they do hit the brick walls. Yeah. And if you're not powerful enough with that, and I mean that in the nicest way, and if you're not... You don't think this is going to get made like you have and have that burning passion. Of course it can fall down because the people around you have other jobs. They have other films they've got going as well. They're developing other things. So if you're not fully driving that, They're not either, but if you're knocking on the door going, here's a new script, how about this? How about that? Mm. It's going to be on their mind because they like it and they're like you and they've developed their time and investment in it. But if you backed off for a second and just went, Oh God, yeah, this is too much. I'm going to, I'll come back to this in a month or two months. Let me, I'm going to go work for a bit, do something else. They're going to lose interest. You're going to find it really hard to pick it back up. They're doing another film. So you you do honestly have to be on it. Yeah. And it sounds like you did that really well. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to touch on the screenwriting again a tiny bit more in terms of how do you actually, when you started to write this, do you like to have full notes written down? Do you write off the cuff? Do you have scenes already in your mind? I know you made a short first, so that would have helped. But it'd be really interesting to know your process as a screenwriter.
2: Yeah, it started off as a short and that was the sort of genesis of the central kind of conflict in the film, which was very much about this mother who is anorexic and she was trying to take, you know, she, she um, was taking care of her daughter and her daughter had baked her cake for her birthday and she couldn't eat it. So that was the short. Um, so that kind of, as you know, that kind of encapsulates a lot of the central stuff in what is now the feature. I went through so many drafts of the story and thinking back to it, um, I mean... Initially, I think it was a bit more horror-driven. Like there was more body horror kind of elements in it, I would say. And um, and then it was working with Anjali, Um, I was definitely. I think it made me a lot better. Obviously, going through this process and any pro, any creative project makes you better, or or at least sort of reaffirms like certain things about how you do how you approach things but i think before before i had made this and before i had worked with the script editor i was quite like oh i just gonna i'm just gonna write and i'm gonna write out this idea and i'm not gonna like really um beat sheet it or treat do like exhaustive treatments because i it's not like i find that boring but i just sometimes find it quite freeing to just i mean i come at it, came at it from more of a fiction writer's angle like i just want to see where this goes um but yeah obviously that sometimes doesn't work in screenwriting to just sort of see where things go um but yeah, what what I now find really useful is, and I make myself do, and I think is good discipline, is just you know really, actually getting out all the problems in a, getting out a really good treatment, and then the writing should just flow really fast after that because I don't find it difficult to write. I'm a fast writer, but it's just making sure that it's the most um, effective you know all the scenes are really effective and punchy and have as much in them as they possibly can because you actually end up saving yourself loads of time if you work all that stuff out in the treatment. I like to work that way as well Oh that's good yeah Mm. I think a lot of people would rather just like oh yeah I'm just going to loftily sit down and and pen my masterpiece but it's just unfortunately
0: yeah. I tried that at first that was my initial like however many years ago was like "Yeah, yeah you'll be fine just there's an idea in your head but I got to page 70 and got lost I was like oh I haven't even got to the second act I'm all over the place. And then I just lost interest because it was so hard to pull that back or know what to do. And so I totally now agree that putting a treatment together really solid. And then as long as you can, with even bits of a scriptment in there with dialogue and stuff, anything to make it easier for you when you write, you don't get stuck. I also like to write with other people because uh, I prefer it. I much prefer doing that. Yeah, I like the back and forth of it all and not feeling the pressure on my own. I like to do that with other people, push your pressure back on them and they push it on me. (laughs) It's a a much better way of working for me. So what was the moment like when you found out BFI, BBC Films... And Film London with the micro scheme have said yes, they're giving you the green light. Can you remember that moment? I can, or was it a long yeah. process? It was
2: actually, <laughs> you know. It was so weird because um I there were six projects, yeah, and we all had to go pitch. And then so um they decided on I was waiting for the phone call from Dan, the producer, um Dan
0: Cleland, yeah. Yeah,
2: Dan yes. Cleland, yeah. He called me and he was like uh, oh, I've got some news, and I was like, "Oh, right, that's obviously not good." And then he's like, "Well, they've they've selected one project, but they've got uh, it, the second spot is between us and this other film, so we've got to go back and do another like wow, document." And I was like, "Are you?" F- I was so pissed off. I was like, are, yeah. do You want my blood? Like, what are you doing to me? And it was like, I can't remember what exactly we had to be really clear about, but there was you know, they needed some more reassurance. I think it was a bit more about the sort of about the Stephanie's character and that presentation stuff. So um had to go and do that. And then Did
0: you did you like did you do a rip reel? Did you do uh visions and did you give them like loads of photos of how you think it would look? Did you do all that? Was we did
2: that I did it? do a I did do um a a lookbook look kind of thing. I didn't do a reel, but um, yeah, it, which I actually, which was really helpful um, because you know I was able to kind of show references like Jean Dielman and um, these kind of older European films that you know ha, re- use a lot of long takes and all that kind of stuff that I've used in Body of Water. But I couldn't believe that they'd asked us for another bloody piece of paper i was like really ready to just like throw my phone out the window but um anyway i did Julie totally totally did yeah. it and then um and then they said i actually feel really sorry for the people that didn't get it because i would have been because mm. they did how that. They off went you. yeah that. they went through all that and then they didn't get it i would have been so annoyed yeah and then we we celebrated and we had prosecco and that was lovely and then um and then yeah it was like okay cool but at the same now time what? now you yeah. now
0: you're like shit
2: <laughs> now i've got yeah. to do it <laughs> and the thing is it's not the same as like our features like they don't just give you all the budget you have to actually ra- you have to actually raise some yourself as well or you how can. much percentage
0: is it at the moment or was it
2: they gave did- it they gave us two thirds and then you know right. you can raise another third if you
0: want so if it's 150 grand budget let's say they give you 100 grand ish and you yeah, have to raise yeah. the other fifty. Yeah yeah, 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 Okay, fine. So, how did you go about raising the other fifty?
2: Yeah, basically, we had a long, com- like a lot of conversations with potential production companies who loved the project, but it was also like it's a weird, quite a weird amount of money to put into mm. a film. You know, it's not, it's not a, you know, in in normal person's turn that's a lot of money. But you know, obviously, in a film budget world, that is not a lot it's of money. Tiny. So it's a bit of a, yeah, yeah.
0: so. Yeah
2: it was sort of smaller smaller ambitious production companies um that were we were talking to and we had a really long conversation with one and then at the sort of last hour like just when we were kind of really needing to get the money together um they couldn't they couldn't make it happen and we were like fuck so um, mm-hmm. yeah we had we we did uh, get on board with uh, Boudicca and Two Are Lovely yeah, yeah. and Bright Shadow Films Um, quite late in the day but it, it worked out but like that's what I mean about like it's just really nervous breakdown inducing like that stuff and I had never been through anything like that before and it just felt like because we couldn't also move our shoot dates like obviously in some some scenarios if there's money issues or whatever um, you can move the shoot but because shan had been um doing her training and prep and stuff to change physically for the role like we had we were really locked into the dates for shootings we had to get everything together by then it was just really gnarly it was a lot of
0: pressure pressure oh my god especially because Absolutely. At that point, you think, is this going to fall apart? You know, you've got shine uh, there working out and doing a thing. And you've got your mentally... I remember this on the dare as well. I didn't have the green light for so long that they'd kind of said, yeah. yes, very similar situation, but you were just waiting for that green light, which was a studio space. And all that time I'm prepping, 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 but there's a bit in the back of my mind that's going, I know. is this a waste of my time? Is I this know. really going to happen? Is this, am I doing all this for nothing? <laughs> Completely. And you must have been the same. Yeah. yeah
2: and you just got to kind of proceed as though everything's going to work out but you know as mm. we were saying these things can fold and it happens a lot and nobody actually talks about that but because um, mm-hmm. you only ever see a film when it's finished but it's like you know the, the amount of horror stories about stuff that just gets pulled or whatever it's like mm-hmm. and you, you're you yeah. like oh my god that could actually have been my project if X, Y and Z hadn't come together at a certain point and it's a lot of like as we said
0: winging it really Yeah, <laughs> and well, it's,
2: it- it's terrible. Terrifying! It's such yeah, a crazy business. It really business. is. It yeah. is, but it's
0: also a testament to you the fact that you obviously could pitch well, and you obviously did have a brilliant vision that even though you then had BBC and BFI and, you know, Film London, part of it, it made it easier sell. But the fact is, they still invest in you. I always say this to filmmakers, it doesn't matter necessarily how brilliant your script is, or how, of course, it wants to be, but they're investing in you as a person. Yeah. And if you're cool, if you're all right, you have a vision, and you have a real sense of how you can make films, and they see a future, with you. I think that's a huge part of it. I really do. You can't be in there mumbling and going, well, yeah, I just want to make a film and I'm a genius. And you do have to be personable and have a vision, be strong. And it sounds like you absolutely did that. And wow, well, well done. That's, oh, my heart's in my mouth even thinking about that I know, last it minute was... stuff. Amazing, yeah, amazing. I know. Let's talk about casting then, because you mentioned Sean Brooke, who played Stephanie, your lead. You've got Amanda Burton, who obviously is a wonderful star anyway, yeah. you know, from Silent Witness. But then you had the wonderful uh, Fabienne Paolini castle if i pronounce that yeah, correct.
2: Paolini castle, yeah, castle yeah.
0: I mean, what a three wonderful leads you had. I mean, fair play. So how did you cast that? And also you've got to cast people, like you mentioned with uh, Sean, who has to look anorexic she mm-hmm. has to look skinny mm. so talk us through that
2: yeah obviously that was a massive challenge for any casting director and you know it did make the role quite a, again for her our casting director was Aisha Bywater she's fantastic mm. um she is she, yeah, she's did uh, last
0: days on Mars perfect sense startup uh, which yeah. is amazing yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, she's cool she's,
2: she's very cool. cool lady and she's very uh you know, no nonsense, and I really I really like that, especially with people working in the film industry, so it was like, and she, you know, obviously the, Shan's character, Stephanie is the sort of centre heartbeat of the story, so, you know obviously we started with her, but that was, as as I mentioned, like the toughest role, I think, to go out, you know, and say to agents and stuff, like this role is this character, and she's going to have to look this way, and this, and that, so um, you know there was a lot of interest but it was just also like i think it was it's a you know it's a, quite a scary proposition for an actor you know having to do that and um so you had to really have balls to like want to to, to get on board with it um which kind of sorted the wheat from the chaff fairly fairly easily and um i actually didn't meet that many actresses for it but um i had a i had a couple of skype chats for Shan and She, I just, you know, sort of like, it was a bit like love at first sight, you know, in a way, because, and I think it's kind of got to be like that when you're casting um, for all your roles. I was like, yes, she's perfect. She was so cool also as a person, um, but also just um, really wanted to do the character justice, asked so many intelligent questions about like where this character had come from, had come from, her experiences, and and really enriched um, enriched her in that sense. And we had loads and loads of really good chats about that stuff, and did a lot of research together um, about well, what about being a war photographer as well? Though that doesn't actually come out too much in the final film, but that is obviously a big part of Stephanie's backstory. And um, so yeah, Shan and I remember her saying um, in. Uh, in Glasgow when we did a QA, and a she said you know she was actually kind of scared of reading the script because she knew what would be involved if she liked it and um yeah <laughs> so but she read it and she liked and she really loved it so it was like oh fuck <laughs> but, <laughs> which is really funny I like I just never thought about it like that but um I just yeah. feel really lucky that we found someone that was as committed as she is and she really made the role her own and um, you know all the things like you know the haircut that 's very specific mm. and you know she she has a little i don 't know if you 've never seen it maybe get a flash of it in one scene, but she 's got a little you know tattoo she just really wanted for the character and um so she was obviously the main starting point and then um we saw a lot of girls for the pearl role obviously that's quite a big kind of catchment um for you know younger younger actresses and um she's about
0: 16 right in the film yeah yeah yeah.
2: um and uh fab stood out because she's got a kind of toughness to her that i really like and she's quite um you know there was a bit of there's a sort of Resistance that Pearl needed to have towards her mother, like she's and I also, I feel like Fab is, um, you know, she's sort of physically strong and you know has a has a real presence that I think you know plays interest in is playing interestingly against Stephanie, who's obviously physically in a sense, you know, weakened. And um, so yeah, and then they we did some chemistry t- tests with uh, Shan and a couple of these actresses, and then just. Felt like Fab was the right choice. Um, But that was quite a big conversation and a lot of the execs were involved in that one. And then Amanda, again, I have to say that was really easy because I knew, of obviously I knew Amanda. uh, Well, I knew Shan beforehand, uh, of Shan beforehand as well, but I, you know, everyone knows Amanda and it was like, Oh, I was so excited that she was interested and, um, hadn't seen her in anything for a while because she, she sort of stopped acting for a bit. And then she showed up and she just was so good. And also just like, I just could so easily see her as this kind of matriarch uh, of these, you know, and, and like how they how they would all bounce off each other and yeah, it was just like, oh yes, it must be Amanda.
0: She was so real with that performance, even though she was the matriarch, she was yeah. also wounded and, know. you know, she's getting married to a, another woman in the film and that whole pressure from her and the balance of that, it's almost like yes, well, you've got problems, but what about my problems, but I'm not going to tell you about them and that was wonderful. It was also under said and there's a lovely moment at the wedding itself that comes out the blue but you go i totally get why that's happening it's yeah. you know really really fascinating so yeah that, the cast were incredible was there any kickback at all from you know the bbc to say hey can we get a bigger names you know because like i say these are wonderful actors but in terms of they're trying to sell a movie it's yeah. always the same no they didn't want
2: i mean i think they they recognize that Obviously, you know, because we didn't have a massive budget as well, like it wasn't like people were doing this for to go and retire in the Bahamas, so it was like, you know, well, yeah, yeah, especially oh, independent yeah. filmmaking, but uh-huh. uh, yes, they certainly weren't doing it for the dollar, so it was like, I think, again, with most of the cast, they had had some sort of level of experience or connection with someone that had gone through something like this or something. There was, there tended to be that thread, um, but the BBC never said they never made any issue about that they did have kind of final say you know they could if they had objected they could have said something but um no, I think the cast has did us really proud.
0: Oh, they're amazing. You're, they're, honestly, it's such a wonderful cast. It's so good. They draw you in with yeah. their silences and their looks and their feeling, and it's just great. You must have been over the moon. And and looking at that then in terms of going back to one set and being with these actors and playing in that moment, what what was what was going, what was going through your mind in those times of thinking about the arcs and thinking about the story, but also thinking about the shot, the mm. film as a whole, because how do you like to play each day? Would you kind of just go, I've got to get, right, let me just concentrate on this day and f- work through the problems of today? Because, uh, yeah, how do you like to work that those moments on set?
2: I, I do like to sort of be, you know, have a, 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 you know, a good plan and I will always make the effort to meet up with the cinematographer early and we'll talk through everything and spend a bit of time when it's quiet. Um, and he was amazing at that. And so we would always have our... You know, little plan between us of, you know, and also like what's, what are we going to do if it all goes tits up, which it obviously does sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, but I am quite fluid and also you, you know, especially with this kind of material, you want to give the actors the time to try different things in their performances as much as possible, where the, there's a few scenes that obviously I, I wish we could have spent a bit more time on, but we just didn't have it. So it was a case of we just need to get this and move on. But um, I think sometimes like the the kind of chaos and stress of that could actually tran- like help translate into the into the final performances but um i know that sometimes that was a bit stressful for the cast like there was one particular scene um the in the eating in the eating disorder group uh the Mm -hmm. final scene with shan like we were really running out of time and we just didn't um you know she just didn't we couldn't get all the angles we wanted but for some reason in the edit it actually kind of works because We, what we, you know, it was actually quite a labor of love that's that scene because of like the lack of footage. Yeah, we made it work, and um, it, you know, you wouldn't know that that wasn't part of the grand scheme of how it was supposed to look, but um, it's uh, it was that was a really challenging day because, yeah, yeah, it was about Shan had obviously put so much into it, like all the training, and it had taken over her life in a way, um. But uh, I I just wanted to give her the time um, on camera that she, you know, as much time on camera as possible. So, yeah, um, there was always a battle. But you always, you're always like, you know, you always have to sort of trade something off um, in in a sense, because it's like, unless you've got, you've got like, you know, a huge multi million dollar budget and you can spend loads of time on things, it's just, and reshoots
0: and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, here you're going, we've got what we've got. And actually, you're saying that about the edit. Sometimes, even though. And this has happened to me. You think, Oh God, this scene's never going to work. We aren't going to have to put it together. I didn't have enough coverage because, yeah. of because, of because of, you know, whatever it is. But actually, you come to the edit and you go, Oh, we, we can make that work with just that wide. If mm-hmm. we want to mm-hmm. do that route, you know, and actually sometimes it does or just a single on that person because the other people in the scene aren't important. Yeah. I suppose it's sometimes. In the, in the shoot choosing what's more important and going well let, that's more important let's get that but sometimes you can find stuff in the edit you didn't even know was there
2: I know that's the kind of film you know the, the magic of the post-production as well it's like oh yeah so I've got this stuff and then there's that really helpful David Lynch quote that's something like you know and he goes into an edit he's like I'm just gonna pretend that I don't have a clue about what all this stuff is and then I'm gonna just piece it together um, as though some other guy shot it and then I, I'm just trying to find and it's just Mm. quite a helpful way of looking at it because it's like you do you know if you if you kind of let yourself be a bit free in that part of the process when you've got all the material it is actually really liberating and there's so much more you can do than if you're trying to like oh i must keep that line and i must keep that and and it's just like actually yeah
0: that's so important and i love that phrase that's really good let someone else you know think that they directed it so therefore you can be free to do what you want because you can yeah. get hung up on shots you know totally. it's pissing it down with rain that day and, and there was a problem with whatever whatever and someone got hurt but you've got the shot and it was amazing and everyone cheered but actually in the edit it doesn't work at all it, and then you're forcing in a scene just because of what you went through but actually or a shot it doesn't you don't need no yeah so you can that's easily why, get
2: attached to those kind of stories behind yes. shots rather than the yes. actual story St- story you need them. to yeah. tell
0: yeah that people at home don't care about. They don't care how, what you went through when you shot it. They don't care if anyone died. They don't give a shit. They want to know about the story and if it works. So yeah, that is fascinating, fascinating. That whole, how was it? Okay. So you've edited your film now. Obviously we, we could go on for days about editing films because yeah. we, we <laughs> um, but then in terms of then having to show it back to the powers that be the bbc and the what was that moment like for you and and did you were you what, did you need their approval to release it did you all that kind of stuff was that part of it as well
2: um, yeah that's a really interesting question yeah we had to do uh, i think we had three sessions of presenting the film to more presenting yeah execs um and that would again be bfi people bbc and film london and film london were obviously more involved in the day-to-day and they would look at more cuts before we showed them to um you know the less sort of lesser like hands-on people at bbc and bfi so yeah we had these you know we had a first screening in the bfi Stephen street And it's really like, you know, it's scary. Obviously, you're like, you know, and it is quite a risky project. It wasn't ever going to be an easy... So it was you know and i'm very conscious of that and i know it's not everyone's type you know it's not like anything's um not necessarily everyone's cup of tea but um yeah i remember being really pumped when we went into that and and actually the reaction was really positive um but they had a lot of really helpful insightful because these are people that fucking know what they're talking about in terms of films yeah so you're mm-hmm. like um you know just ways you can frame things can you push it this way can you draw that out more um and actually a couple of like really helpful we flipped a couple of the um timelines a little bit on some of the scenes as well and it actually helped make a lot more sense so it's just it's just this magic stuff that happens and you're like, oh yeah, okay. Um, but it's all uh, sort of in, you know, these conversations in these back rooms in the BFI and actually, yeah, it was really, it was really good. And then um, the second time less nerve wracking, cause obviously everyone had seen it and again, very helpful. And then we had the final thing to sign off and that was, that was the picture done. And then we, you know, were able to move on to, uh, sound and all the other post elements. So um,
0: amazing! And did you know then that they had a specific release date in mind? So did you know you're working towards? Did you have? Was it very clear?
2: No, no, it was a bit. Um, it was quite sort of driven by like what festival release we could expect and this and that. And um, but basically. Again, um, because of the budget and stuff, it was a little bit like it took a while to finish just because we were working with really awesome people like Jodie is a colorist at Technicolor and Technicolor were fab. Like they did so much for the project, but obviously they're also working on massive pictures. So, you know, they'd done us a a sort of really good deal, but it meant that we had to kind of slot in a little bit around their big, you know, which is fine. But um, it did mean sometimes that we would get not push back a bit if a big project came in so um you know but i they were really generous with their time and um i think that was the thing that someone told me really early on in um you know when i was actually just still meeting um heads of department they were like you know pick your uh, crew as carefully as you pick your cast because obviously mm. you're in there for the long haul with these people and actually you can deal with a difficult actor because you're probably not going to be Uh, necessarily face to face with them that much. Um, But if you know, with a cinematographer or whatever, you know, you're spending an awful lot of time with these people. But I was so happy with all of my heads of department were amazing. So you know, the, and that also made it a nice environment to working because they all and they all seem to gel really well together as well, which is really
0: good. I think that's vital to pick your crew really well, pick yeah. you f- because you're in the trenches with them. Like say your actors, okay, let's hope, God forbid, that you don't have any fallings out or whatever. But your crew, your cinematographer, that's your person. So if there's an issue, that's the per- first person you speak to in the morning, last person at night, you know, you're going through all your shots and everything and, and all your, your ACs and your focus puller. They're right there with you the whole time. So you've, yeah, you want to pick cool people. So when did they start saying, okay, you're gonna, this is going to be the release date? When did you start knowing well, this is the time to get preparing to press and stuff?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's been, because this year has obviously just been so crazy for everyone. Um, We did the premiere in in Glasgow and then we were talking to Verve and then we, you know, went with them and they're the distributor. And then initially we were talking about September release um, because of COVID and everyone not really knowing what the fuck was going on. And then um, it got pushed back a bit, uh, not too much. But um, yeah, like that, we engaged a press officer um, only a couple of months ago, I think, really two or three months ago, um, and he sort of prepared a plan and, um, you know, got all the ball... He's been amazing as well, actually, I have to say. Um, got all the ball rolling with that stuff, and it's been... You know, I was pleasantly surprised by the level of interest in it, and a lot, a lot in kind of Amanda and Shan mainly, because, uh, you know, obviously Amanda's a kind of returning big name, and um, uh, this is quite a different role for her. And, uh, yeah, it just... Yeah, but I've done I've yeah, I've been talking to loads of publications and it's been a yeah, as we were saying, it's quite a it's quite a fast train. You're just going to jump on and hold on by the, you know, your,
0: on your knuckles. But uh, yeah. Totally. And are you, are you still, because it's coming out on 16th of October, are you st- is cinema still happening? Do you know if that's.
2: Yeah, I mean, unless the government stuff changes between now and. Which could happen. It, um, no, God which forbid, is so nuts, not. isn't it? But uh, yeah, it's on demand and in cinemas. There's definitely some screenings in London, Sheffield, Edinburgh. Uh, Cardiff um, and Derby and a bunch of other places so yeah all these really nice uh, yeah and the home cinema in Manchester and yeah, there's a lot of really nice independent venues that I love so that's I'm really I'm really happy
0: about that and it's just nice that
2: it's going to be on a big screen and
0: um, God, yeah. yeah, after all this, yeah. you know. You should be so proud. Honestly, like I say, you, this is a, an amazing movie. The fact it's your you. debut movie, the fact that it's, you know, picked up by Verve, the, the fact that you're getting cinemas, even during this time, is incredible. You should be immensely proud. Thank I think you. you're fantastic and you've done brilliantly and a director to watch hugely. Oh, um, thank you so much. It, yeah, but honestly, it's, it's really cool. It's really cool. And I love seeing female filmmakers break in like this. It's so cool. Uh, it's not easy. It's much harder yeah I think filmmakers.
2: I hope it's getting better I mean I am seeing a mm-hmm. lot of like you know there's just a bit of a flurry of independent filmmakers um breaking through women uh, females but I I guess the, the the worry is also like there is a there is a big drop off you know normally between people making a first and a second feature like a lot of people don't go on to make a second feature so I just hopefully you know um I think you just kind of got to You know, maintain the same kind of tenacity about continuing in this in this business, but it is amazing. It does feel amazing to have completed a feature film after you know because you find yourself talking about this stuff these projects for so long and oh, then everyone's like yeah. and like my parents and stuff have nothing to do like they don't know the film industry at all they're both solicitors and they're just like when's your film like what what's what's this film that you've been talking about for years <laughs> and so now I'm like actually mom dad it's, it's in the radio times like it's no, actually huh? a thing that they it's can connect thing. with yeah go to the cinema tell your so friends funny.
0: yeah <laughs> yeah I know it's that's what I mean the days four years from when I first started so That's it's much. crazy yeah. well six since I first started writing it so you just go oh my god shut up talking about it but I now it's nice I can actually say you can go watch it you go watch it yeah. so yeah it must feel wonderful for you as well and yeah. you mentioned there about keeping the momentum going I take it you are already working on this stuff you're already writing your next one
2: yeah I've got um, okay. a couple of idea, a couple of feature films uh, in development uh, one is sort of you know drawing on the same things but perhaps in a bit more of an elaborate scale and um But also, yeah, get (laughs) get a bit more budget. Probably playing a little, like flirting a little bit more with like horror genre and stuff like that. But you know, trying to kind of skewer a lot of different stuff, and then a TV series as well with a producer in Scotland that we're just taking out to um, production companies at the moment. So that's really exciting. Um, And yeah, it's 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 just nice to have a few irons in the fire. Obviously, Um, so important. Yeah. And
0: finally, then any um, advice for? Uh, filmmakers now looking back at your younger self, like oh, literally yeah. a couple of years ago, yeah. what would you give? What would you tell yourself? I suppose, and also um, what little bit of advice would help filmmakers wanting to try and make their first feature right now oh, or their next one?
2: Um, I guess it's just, you know, um, keeping your ultimate it feels so good to be on this side of it that i wish i could just send myself a reassuring hug that it will all work out and then because i always knew that i really needed to tell the story and that was the the real drive for pushing it through uh, despite all these setbacks and not because they they do they happen to everyone um you know it, just as long as you believe in your idea, I guess, you know, and you 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 hold it dear and close to yourself, then you will get there. But it, it might be, a, um, it is a mountain and it is even harder now. And and I think, you know, I really hope that the film, you know, smaller films are still going to be made in the next few years. But I mean, who knows? But I think it's just a case of, you know, finding something that you really believe in and holding it and, and really, you know, but just being really tenacious. That's all I can say because it is it is a tough it is a tough industry and we all know that but we love it we must love it because we stay in it and we you know talk about it a lot so <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah uh, I yeah, hope that's not too that's, rambly but uh, yeah that's my kind of overarching um, lift up people that might be because you do feel sometimes you do feel like you know jacking it all in I mean that's just normal but um, mm-hmm. it is worth
0: it to get to the other side love that that's so good and so perfect and thank you for your time thank you uh, for having Lucy me. Bryden thank yeah. you so much Body of Water is in cinema 16th of October and on digital seek it out enjoy this brilliant drama support independent filmmakers and support Lucy on her journey Thank you so much for joining us. Um, where can people follow you? Because that's how we got yeah. in contact. I messaged you on Twitter. I'm you like, did. come on, podcast, you're ace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
2: I'm on Twitter. It's Lucy Lodash Bryden. And then I'm on Instagram. And there's a... a just um the same i think lucy.brident um and then my the film has its own instagram uh account body of water film so that's got all the updates and we also have a website so if you just um google body of water film website that should show up and it'll have all the information about the screenings um and so on but yeah please do give me and it a follow and yeah we can hopefully it'd be lovely to hear what everyone
0: thinks please do and please do tell Lucy certainly when you've heard this send her a message and say cool thank you so much for your time but also when you've seen the film Mm. um, because it's so nice to get feedback lovely feedback obviously Uh, if if you don't like it shut up Uh, (laughs) and the same with reviews if you don't like something shut up shut up don't be keyboard warriors thank you Um, uh, brilliant thank you so much remember everyone you can go make your indie film just as Lucy has done believe in yourself believe in what you want to make and go do it and if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well it is your duty to send the elevator back down. We will see you next Tuesday. <laughs> As always, uh, keep making films, keep believing, and go do it. Lucy, thank you.
2: Thank you so much, Giles. Speak to you soon. Pleasure. Bye. Take care,
0: everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.